Blog Talk Radio. Podcast featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right, it's, well, it's episode 170 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, March 5th, 2016. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980 on Twitter. And well, lots of news going on with the Montreal Canadiens as always. Since our last episode, Canadians played four games. Started off last Saturday with a 4-1 win over the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Surprise? No, not at all. In fact, it's the 11th straight win of the Canadians over the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Canadians, after that, started their four-game road trip. First three games were on the West Coast in uh, California. And while they lost all three games, Monday, it was 6-2 against the San Jose Sharks. On Wednesday night, they lost 3-2 in shootout. And Thursday night, they lost uh, with the same score against the LA Kings. And while we look at the standings for the Canadians, they have a record of uh, 30-29-6, 66 points. They're uh, 8 points away from a wildcard spot. Ottawa, Carolina, New Jersey, and Philadelphia are between them. So if we do a comparison for the Canadians, they have a 2.5% chance of making it to the playoffs. And while they have a 5% chance of getting the first pick overall winning the draft lottery. So there's a bigger chance that they get somebody like Austin Matthews than they're making it to, uh, to the playoffs. Canadians facing the Winnipeg Jets tonight in Winnipeg to conclude their four-game four road trip. The game that is at 7 Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time. 
Our question of the day, well, we have uh, our poll question of the day on Habs360 Twitter account is, well, we've seen the youngsters get a lot more of ice time in the last couple of games. And the poll question is, which of the following young players currently with the Habs have impressed you the most? The options, Andrew Ghetto, uh, Dano, Mato, and McCarron. So we'll let you know it's pretty uh, lopsided. Uh, right now, you can also send us your comments on that. You can reach us via Twitter for anything Montreal Canadiens related at Taps360. And in the third segment of today's episode, we'll be opening the phone lines at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five. My co-host, editor in chief, and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. You can follow him on social media all over the place by searching All Habs. AllHabs.net is the website. Rick, how are you doing? Chris, you know how from time to time I've complained that the opening of the show is just a tad long? Well, today um, I needed every second of that to get ready. So I'm going to start the show by saying, hey, you're, you're right. You're, you're right on that. I know you like when I say you're, you're right. Um, so, yes, today you were right on that. Now, let's go ahead and from here on in disagree on everything else and have a great show. <laughs> All right. Let's, do it. let's get it started. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on Hams 360. Okay, so it's time to get it started. Plenty of uh, Montreal uh, Canadians talk coming up in the next hour. So, Rick, Rick, Nick, <laughs> Rick, let's get it started with our winners and our losers. So, go ahead. I think we're going to start with losers uh, first this week. Um, I hate to pick on someone when they've just arrived in the organization, um, but Stefan Matteau, um, we're going to nominate him, and, and hopefully this is the last time. Hopefully he turns everything around and, and he becomes a model citizen from here on out. But here's a kid who already has character issues. We know that. We know what happened with the Armada. We know um, in New Jersey he was, you know, he's 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 had some some attitude issues there this year he's he got into i think it was 20 of 63 games he was other than the the facial injury mostly a healthy scratch um he and and it's not he has he has some skills some ability but but it's just this this attitude he arrives first game first shift with the Montreal Canadiens and he takes a bad penalty um, and he's known, I mean, he's known for, for having discipline problems on and off the ice. Um, you think, you think that, that he gets a fresh start and, um, you know, Bergevin, when he, when he spoke about this guy said, um, that this is his chance to turn his career around and his first shift, he gets off to a really bad start. And this is. You know, um, one of the things that was really ironic was um, Mark Bergevin said that they had done their due diligence on this guy and that he was a really good kid. And then, you know, almost immediately after, the American Hockey League announces that they've suspended him for two games. Um, not that that's a problem when he's playing in the NHL, but here's a guy who was out of the lineup in in um, New Jersey um, he got a facial injury in, in practice. You see him wearing the cage. 
hadn't played since mid January, so they sent him to to Albany for 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 one game as a conditioning stint, and he goes he goes head hunting. He's wearing the cage, and he goes and 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 is a head hunter, and is assessed a, a two game suspension. Um, I'm not saying he's Cassian 2.0, but um, I I just don't understand how you you know. You're you're given a new chance, and and let's hope that he, you know, it was just a, a fluke, and and that he returns this his career around. Oh, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt when it to Bergman when it comes to uh, knowing about the uh, upcoming expansion uh, from before he came to uh, the Canadians. But one thing like that you mentioned is that they did their uh, due diligence that it's his I don't know another chance, and he. That he to turn his game around. Where have we heard that uh, speech before? We heard it twice uh, this season when the Canadians acquired Zach Cassian, and the same thing when the Canadians uh, signed Alex Salmon. And well, where are those guys now? Yeah, exactly. I, I um, just before just before we move on, yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to uh, remind our listeners that Mato was brought into the organization in uh, return for Devontae Smith Pelly from the New Jersey, to, uh, who went to New Jersey Devils. And well, he's gotten a couple of points since he's joined there. So, good luck for to uh, to DSP. A goal and assist uh, the other night, and that big toothy grin um, or, or lack of. <laughs> uh, we saw in social media, uh, but good good for DSP. Um, good start for him. Um, next, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the mantle over to you here because, um, it seems you're, you're bothered by the, uh, world cup, um, of hockey announcement, or, well, I guess, let me phrase it, the, the, the lack of announcements in the world hockey, um, uh, world cup of hockey selections. Yeah. So there was a, a couple of names. Uh, we're keeping it here, uh, right now, uh, I guess local to the Montreal Canadiens. Two players that weren't named to their uh, to their respective rosters. First one comes to uh, to Team Canada for not announcing uh, PK Subban. And what upsets me the most from um, from the lack of announcement is the fact that they went with the same players. It doesn't seem like they they changed anything. It's, it seems like it's starting to become like a like a boys' club within Team Canada. And you keep going with uh, the same recipe. Uh, when it come in, when it came to the Olympics, uh, Mike Babcock was mentioning that you know he wanted left-hand defenseman on the left side, right-hand defenseman on uh, the right side, etc. Okay, that was an Olympic ice rink, bigger ice. So I, I think it was more important then. But now will will they be playing the games in Toronto on an NHL-sized rink? Is it that important? Even if you look at Mike Babcock's own team when he was in Detroit or even now with the the Leafs, even on his own team, doesn't consistently put left-handed sticks on the left side and right-handed sticks on uh, on the right hand as well. Another reason is P.K. Subban. I'll take a step back. This tournament was created by the NHL and the NHLPA to make money. That's what the purpose of this tournament is. And well, when you want to generate money, when you want to generate revenue in the NHL, P.K. Subban has to be there. If we look at 
the uh, the All Star Skills Competition. What a show that he put on when he got dressed up as a Yarmir Yager for uh, for the competition. This week, he was in LA with a Canadian, and while he was at the Los Angeles Lakers game, and while there was a lineup of people, there was it was reported that there was a lineup of people who wanted to take a picture with uh, with PK Subban. A couple of weeks ago, ESPN E60 was in town here in Montreal to, to shoot a documentary for an upcoming episode of that. And even earlier this week, P.K. Subban was featured on a magazine, uh, NYT Styles, if I remember the name correctly. So P.K. Subban, he's a seller. If you want to sell the World Cup, P.K. Subban has to be uh, part of that roster. When it comes to Alex Galchenyuk, and I'll let you um, respond, Rick, when I'm done with Galchenyuk as well. He's eligible to go in the U23 roster. And, well, I'm surprised. I saw some names there that I don't think um, that uh, Galchenyuk probably like belongs uh, there before some of those players. Uh, but I don't know. Like, and I don't want to take away anything from any player from any of the countries, by the way, who got named, even for the defensemen, the defensemen that were named. I have no issues with them. When it comes to to the team of um, of North America, the the U23s, I don't know. Like like I said, no disrespect to uh, players like uh, J T. Miller. Why not Galchenyuk? I think he deserves to be there. He's been playing great, as you've seen as of lately. We know he's versatile. He can play center and on the wing, so that should be an advantage to him, right? But he's not there. So I'll. Um, I'll say those management teams of uh, of both those teams are nominees for losers of the week for me. Yeah, and I, I certainly understand that. And and um, we 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 saw the reaction, the, the negative reaction on um, on social media, and, and it was uh, you know it was similar um, the kind of reaction that that was out there uh, surrounding the Olympics um, in Sochi, uh, the way. Subban, the the role that he had on on um, on that Olympic team. Uh, for me, uh, I understand what you're saying about uh, selling the event. Um, for me, that you know, I, I can buy that that argument when it comes to uh, the All Star Game, or um, and and certainly Subban is a celebrity. But in a competitive event where you want to win, you 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 know, you want your best there. Um, I know uh, there's lots of fans who would argue with me. They think that that P.K. Subban is the best defenseman in the NHL. I'm sorry, I I don't think so. Um, Drew Doughty, uh, Duncan Keith, Shea Weber, these guys are are tremendous defense. And that's nothing against P.K. Uh, It's just these guys have, you know, we, we... we we heard it from Max Pacioretty um, during the Los Angeles um, Kings uh, game. Uh, he said that that uh, Debbie has to be the most difficult defenseman uh, to play against uh, in the league. Um, I I I get I get the the whole Subban thing, and and you might even have a case um, Subban over Vlasic. Pairing them 
individually, but you know how Mike Babcock likes to coach. It's he's puts together a jigsaw puzzle. It's how it's not necessarily putting together the best, you know, for the defense, putting together the, the best six uh, in the league and, and seeing if they can play together. He instead, um, you know, grabs players who, who do have a history of, of working well together. Uh, we saw that in the Olympics. They were the best shutdown um, team um, in the Olympics and the reason, uh, the, the major reason they got the gold. Um, so I, I can't, I can't uh, dispute the choices and, and um, you know, we know that there's going to be opportunity for Subban. The, there'll be seven more players added um, by June 1st and Subban could be one of those uh, seven players added to team Canada. Um, as far interested. as, go ahead. I'm sorry. Maybe for Patriotti for his comments that he said about Dowdy, because maybe he's never played against PK Subban. They've been on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, and boy, you know, if if the feud is is real, wouldn't we like to see that? Yeah. Um, and we we might see it at the World Cup. Um, as far as Galchenyuk, um, I put myself, I, I you know, super talented, um, but I put myself in the in the shoes of the the uh, under 23 management and and say who is this guy what what kind of player is he where does he play how would they know given the way that Galchenyuk's been shuffled all over the place he's had highs he's had lows um and and and, and mostly not his fault um but i understand how they would say you know i don't have any reference to know whether this guy's going to fit or not. Um, and again, he could be one of the, the extras added um, and, 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 and likely will if, if he has a strong finish here. Um, but it would be confusing for those guys to know exactly, given the, you know, being all over the in terms of inmates in terms of position, uh, it's tough for them to make judgment, I think. Um, the only other I'll just add in here about Brendan Gallagher. Nobody seems to be making the case necessarily for him. Bergman said that he's uh, Gallagher's kind of on the Team Canada radar, but he said that um, it seemed that he was preparing fans for uh, a, a bit of a letdown because he said maybe that's not his time. Maybe next time uh, he'll get his chance on the World Cup roster. Boy, like, honestly, Rick. I'm not sure if you felt the same, but I wasn't expecting Gallagher even on the, the final roster to be there. Like it wouldn't have shocked me. Like, I, like yeah, no, I wasn't. I, I wasn't expecting to be there. Yeah, no, I agree. The the others are are a little bit different. Um, I I think um, so that that we're we're going to jump right to our um, loser of the week, uh, and it's not. It's not P.K. Subban himself, but it's P.K. Subban's cheerleaders. Um, and in this case, I'm not just pointing the finger at fans, because fans, you know, fans are are passionate. Fans are, um, you know, they, they don't, they, they, they're, they base their opinions on emotion, not necessarily on, on analysis. Um, but we see with Subban, there's something different in that, he has cheerleaders 
in CTV Montreal and the Gazette and Sportsnet um, that that are just completely irrational when it comes to him. And, and we saw that again uh, this week in the game against the Kings. Um, P.K. Subban, I mean, he made a mistake. And, and um, there were so many people after that game saying, you know, um, oh, we can't blame Subban, can't blame Subban. Um, and it's, I asked the question, is, is P.K. Subban beyond critique? Can we not critique him at all? Can he not make a mistake? And the answer I got back was basically, no, you can't. But, but here's what happened. I mean, at the end of the game, Subban has the puck, neutral zone. He's, he's um, stick handling, and he mishandles the puck. He loses control of the puck. Dwight King poke checks him. And is and is off uh, to his breakaway, makes a move, opens uh, opens up Scrivens and and scores the game winner. Um, and you know everybody was oh PK has lost an edge. He didn't lose an edge. He lost the puck. Then he fell down. Uh, and even Michelle Terry, who I think didn't want any part of another week long controversy, said yeah he lost his edge. I think I think he just held out on it. Um and, and probably had had some direction from management. Don't get into the PK uh, situation again. But just so I'm I'm gonna put the Subban cheerleaders there because there's times that he makes mistakes. He can be criticized just like everybody else, and it doesn't have to turn into a you know, Subban versus Patcheretti or Subban versus in this case. Grivens, all Grivens was to blame. He was. We, we can criticize PA, and I'm sure I hope PA would would have it that way too. I agree. It was, it was a bad play. On uh, it was another mistake by PT Subban on that game-winning goal uh, against the the LA Kings. It's a shame because he he was uh, very important in that game on the positive side as well, bringing in a goal and assist. But that that play, like we like like Rick mentioned, we have to call it a mistake because that's what it was, and it was very similar to that play against the uh, in the game against the Colorado Avalanche where he lost up where he lost an edge and it was picked up by Grigorenko. We did a good play there on defense and led to that three on three for uh, that um, for that game winning goal. And well, let's hear like Rick mentioned the coach after the game. Well, you know what? Piki lost an edge, and those things happen. And uh, he can, we, we can't blame him for that. It's, it's, and just lost an edge. <laughs> the complete opposite of of a couple of weeks ago. Let's hear what uh, Piki said. I mean, they got the bounce that they needed, you know, on, on you know my turnover in the middle there, just, you know, puck just wouldn't settle down and seemed like it was bouncing the whole game but um, that's the game it's a game of inches you know so you heard it from Rick our losers of the week are the uh, PK Subban cheerleaders and not uh, PK Subban himself let us know what you think via Twitter at Habs360 you can also give us a call toll free at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five. we're going to we're going to take a break on the other side we'll find out who our nominees for winners of the week are, and well, you know, there's still lots more to come on the Hab360 podcast. Stay with us. We're featured on allhabs.net. 
for the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects. Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. Habs360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back, Canadians. are out of California now, back to uh, Winnipeg, where practically the most complete opposite in temperature you could get in North America, going from uh, California to uh, to Winnipeg. So welcome back. It's episode 170 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G, and with me is Rick and Rick. Well, let's continue on our discussion when it comes to our winners and our losers of the week. Well, when it comes to winners, um, we were just talking about uh, uh, the World Cup and uh, why and, and uh, your your opinions why the management should be part of the losers group. We're going to put the selections, the Canadian selections, in the winners category. Um, and for Team Canada, that's Gary Price. For the Czechs, Thomas Plakanitz. For the Russians, Andre Markov, and for Team USA, uh, Max Pacioretty. Uh, each one of those uh, selections is part of the Canadians' leadership group. And I think that, you know, we, we've we've seen Canadian fans um, because of the the negativity surrounding this season. They've uh, been very critical of, um, other than Carey Price, they've been very critical of, of those other three players, the three skaters on that list. Uh, but I think that there's recognition there of the talent of um, just how important these, these three players can be as leaders. Um, 
to their to their uh, national squads and um, and and I think you know deserving each each and every one of them quite deserving. Um, with Carey Price in particular, I think the feeling um, I think it was Doug Armstrong that says if if he says that he wants to be on, uh, part of the team, he's on the team. Um, and um, uh, and and that you know that that certainly makes sense. Um, and and he'll join um, uh, Corey Crawford and and uh, Braden Holby. Um, so uh, you know uh, each one of those players deserves uh, deserves uh, kudos and and we're happy that that despite the fact that Gail Chaniak and, and uh, Subban were not named or have not been named yet, I think kind of um, we want to we want to make sure that these fellows get their their due credit. And well, listening to Andrew Markov is always a treat. So here, let's listen to Markov talking about his World Cup selection. Yeah, it's well, it's such a big honor to to represent your country and uh, any uh, any big tournaments, you know, like especially the the huge tournament uh, which is going to be in September, you know. Like so, I'm proud proud and I'm happy to be there, you know. So congratulations to all three of them, and it's it's rare, Rick, that we even get such a complete sentence out of uh, Andrew Markov. <laughs> True enough. Um, yeah, and, and and Carrie said he he you know he wanted to be named to the team. He appreciates the, the opportunity to represent his country and and sees it as a um, as a uh, going to be a fun tournament. Um, sure, just of note. Go ahead. Well, obviously, I wanted to be named to the team. It's an honor to have the opportunity to represent my country and uh, our country. And. Um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun tournament. Um, you know, we've all had uh, we've all been participants in the, in the process with the with the Canadians and Hockey Canada. Obviously, we we're all on the same team. So, uh, so, so Rick, it, it was pretty obvious from this clip, and also we heard Mark Bergman saying that. Uh, sorry, we heard it was from Doug Armstrong that we heard that Carey Price was involved a lot in the process. This World Cup is really important to him. Very important to him, um, and and understandably so. He he uh, takes a great deal of pride um, in in representing his country and and uh, in in the kind of work that he does. And I, I know he's he's working uh, hard to come back. And I, I and that leads us right in naturally to um, our second nominee for winner of the week, and that is Carey Price. Um, we had a, a rather lively discussion last week about. Why Carey Price um, probably, in our opinion, shouldn't be back this season? Uh, Carey Price offered the counter argument, I guess uh, it can be said, when he held his, uh, when he spoke to the media earlier this week. Um, and so, for the re- for um, his recovery, and we're all cheering on his recovery. Um, we're we're going to add him to the the winner of the week. He's he's certainly confident that he'll return before the. Uh, end of the season, he feels that he's turned a corner in uh, his rehab. Um, we even saw him on the ice uh, taking shots for the first time, as he said, in three months. Now, albeit from someone who really couldn't break a pane of glass with a shot, but um, in David Darnay. But um, still, he was he he was out there, um, and he said that he's he's 
now that he's he's got his equipment on, he's starting to push the limits, and he needs to do that before his his return. Um, a couple things he said that you know kind of supported what 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 we talked about last week, and that was he's anxious to get back as quickly as possible. And I I don't know that that should be the goal, as we talked about last week. That we want to take the the cautious approach here. Um, if you know, if we were calling the shots, it would be the cautious approach because we don't want any kind of uh, setbacks. The other thing that I found that was very curious is um, uh, Carrie said that this is maybe the reason that it's taken so long is that this is a type of injury that the team hasn't seen before. And um, so it makes you wonder if it is simply a, a knee injury. So certainly the, the Canadians have seen every possible kind of knee injury um, so I thought that was that was an interesting comment. Um, but good news that he's coming back. Um, he uh, expects to be back in the lineup um, before the end of the season. The, the Canadians kind of signaled that that's likely to happen. They put um, Ben Scrivens on the um, on the Ice Caps playoff roster, so it looks like he'll be the one that's expected to to go down uh, when when Price returns. Uh, Price said he wouldn't be available for a tune-up um, playing in the um, IIHF World, World, Cup, World Championships um, with, uh, with Angela expecting the baby on the 29th of April. Uh, but it looks like, um, you know, before soon we're going to see Carey Price back in the, in the Canadian's net. Um, and right on uh, just continuing the process, you know, it's been a, it's been a really long one, obviously. Um, it's, it's been very, very prog- slowly progressing, but, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, I feel like I've kind of turned the corner and, and started heading in the right direction. And, uh, obviously me skating on the ice with full equipment shows that. And he was asked to give uh, a rating between, uh, one and 10 on how ready does he feel? And he said between three and seven. So he's gotten a good lesson from the Marchalkanin's PR department. Uh, but I think it has to be coming relatively soon, his return. And I'm thinking that maybe even as soon as, I don't know, maybe the next road game after tonight, of course, against the Sabres might be where to throw him out there and uh, test out his knee because he looked, uh, of course, uh, contrary to what some people might think, I'm not a doctor and I don't know everything, uh, but he seemed comfortable on the ice. On uh, with his whole equipment when he's taking the shots from Darnay his movements, so I think he's coming uh, sooner than uh, later to, uh, to to join a team. I thought you were a doctor, uh, Doctor Chris Doctor G for short is, is usually what I call you. Yeah, it's uh, but now the myth was broken. It was busted. <laughs> um, our winner of the week, our winner of the week is kind of a collective. Uh, uh, um, it's the use of the Montreal Canadiens um, with with injury, um, with uh, the trades that happened. We're seeing a lot of use in the Canadiens lineup, and um, I don't know. I I, I think it was um, it's there's some energy there. There's there's a lot of sloppy play, but um, you know if we look at the the Anaheim Ducks game. That was a fun game. To, it was a loss, but it was a fun game to watch. Lots of energy. Um, really liked how how uh, Mike McCarron's come up. Um, 
you know, he's he's a big body. He's he's been uh, taking it to the boards. He's been going to the driving to the front of the net. He stood up for um, his teammates when Lars Eller got that double forearm smash from uh, Kevin Bieksa. And Kevin Bieksa is a pretty tough uh, customer. It took him on. Um, uh, he, you know, does he have the the foot speed to to um, consistently be a second line center? Not not at this point, but um, he's looked good. Morgan Ellis has looked great. Um, lots of lots of poise out there. He's been solid on defense. Um, that was a bad call. Um, you know that that he he got a penalty. Um, there, but uh, he showed some offense. He, one of the things his point shots usually get to the net. Um, I thought he's looked great and way ahead of, of in the depth chart ahead of Victor Bartley. Um, De La Rose has looked good. Uh, Daniel's uh, been great on faceoffs. Um, so I, I think there's there's uh, a lot to be said and a lot lot to have hope for the the, the youth of this team and if. They're developed properly, which hasn't always been the case in Montreal. Um, you know, there's there's a really exciting future for Habs fans. Yeah, definitely. Going back to the game against the the, the Ducks, it was very uh, it was very entertaining. It was worth staying up until it was, what almost 1 a.m. by the time that game that game finished. But it was definitely worth it. Not like the game against the San Jose Sharks, where it finished 6-2 and it was Sharks from uh, beginning to. Uh, to uh, to end, McCann has looked good. Uh, I think a lot of the youngsters have looked good as well. And it is related to our Habs 360 poll question, which is which of the following young players currently with the Habs have impressed you the most? Uh, the options that are out there in that poll question are Andrew Ghetto, uh, Dano, Mato, and McCann. Uh, we'll uh, give you some tweets that we received around that and the poll results uh, in a, a couple of moments, so it's well-deserved. I think they, they all played well, and in a game against the Los Angeles Kings, when it comes to Michael McCarron, he was brought down to play on the fourth line, and that's where it looks like he'll be playing tonight as well against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the coach was asked why that change was done, and here's what he said. I, I thought Mac uh, didn't, like I said, he played five games in seven days. You know that's that's way too much, and uh, we knew, and we gave him the start. You know, we gave him the. Uh, I, was, I was looking to see how he's going to react, but I could tell he didn't have uh, the same drum uh, that he used to have. So Rick, on Thursday he was brought down to the fourth line because he uh, he was tired. He played five games in seven days. To, uh, tonight he's playing on the fourth line again, so McCarron must be really really tired. Yeah, I, you know, we've um, we've seen McCarron on just about uh, most of their road games uh, this season with the Ice Caps, and um, both from his play and and from talking to him, he's got a ton of energy. He's, um, I, you know, I I that's that's an unfair, you know, maybe for part of the game if you saw that he was um, he was struggling a bit, but then. Then to stick him on the the fourth line again t- tonight, especially the 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 um, the Jets are a, a big physical team. Um, I would have liked to have seen him higher in the lineup, um, but you know um, 
it's not like this coach hasn't made strange decisions before. Um, you notice this is, I think, this is the second straight show that we, we haven't, um, it's kind of been a Tarion free show again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with, with the coach on this one, and I, I'm pretty sure that Mike McCarron wouldn't uh, agree with him either. Yes. Yeah, so speaking of the uh, of the coach, you made some more changes uh, to the lineup. So uh, congratulations before we move on to all the youngsters uh, who are with the team right now, who are actually bringing their end of the bargain of the game uh, as it comes to the Canadians in uh, the last couple of games. We're going to take our final break on the other side. There was we're going to talk about the general manager himself and the work that he that he did over the. Uh, the last couple of weeks. And well, the coach did make some changes ahead of tonight's game against the uh, the Jets. The line of Galchenyuk at center with Pacioretty on the left side and Brendan Gallagher on the right side. You can let us know from now. What are your thoughts on that? You can do it via Twitter at Haps360. And you can also give us a call at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five. Stay with us. There's still more to come. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Ice Caps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Frameworth is the exclusive supplier and distributor of autographed products for some of the best hockey players in the world, including Carey Price, Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves, John Tavares, and Alex Galchenyuk. Thanks to Frameworth, Habs360 listeners can receive free shipping on any order. Shop online at frameworth.com and type in Habs360 at checkout. Frameworth is an official licensee of the NHL, NHLPA, Hockey Canada, CFL, and the Hockey Hall of Fame. For more information, visit Frameworth.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. This is the Habs 360 Podcast. Featured on allhabs.net. Well, you only do some things if you know you're going to make the team better. And uh, there was nothing out there that uh, I felt was going to make the team better. So uh, 
to do something just to do something and to be popular. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here for to make the, the Canadian the best as I can, and there was nothing today that I, I felt would make us better. All right, so welcome back to episode 170. Chris G. along with uh, Rick Stevens. So, Rick, we heard Mark Bergevin talking at the conclusion of a trade deadline on, I guess, the lack of trades, even though he did trade uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly right at the, at the end of the trade deadline to the Devils for uh, Stefan Matos. So he didn't... Uh, some people were ex- wanted and were expecting a, a big move to get done at trade deadline, and Mark Bergevin, for those people, he didn't deliver. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, we talked during the week about uh, is is Mark Bergevin a winner this week or is he a loser this week? And and um, we couldn't put him. I, I couldn't put him on um, either list. Uh, I mean, there was reasons to put him on both lists. I, uh, uh, I guess. Um, so as, as far as the positives, um, I, I think if you're looking at that the roster, that it was it was pretty obvious that uh, Devonte Smith Pelly had to go. Bergevin traded him check mark. Um, Dale Weiss, that was that was rumored that the the uh, you know he was just asking for too much money uh, relative to what he brought to the team. Uh, he had to be traded checkmark. He's gone. Fleischman on the PTO, you got something for checkmark. Great. That's that's all great. But you know there was there was. Um, some feeling that that Darnay, uh would be shopped now. His injury, a, a little bit would would um, um, come into that. But we've seen we've seen injured players, uh, especially a short term injury like Darnay's traded before. Um, as we spoke about last week, he really dropped the ball on Gilbert. Um, so, um, you know, I I don't know that that a a, a big trade. We heard that Eller was was uh, being shopped, and then we heard that he was uh, he was safe. Um, I don't know that the deadline for a team like the Canadians is the right time to make a big move, um, but I guess I'm more critical about not in the players that he got rid of because he should have, but the players that came back. Um, you look at at Philip Daniel and and. Okay, um, a, a third line center and and. And, or maybe fourth line is you know is where he was playing in Chicago. Maybe that's where he belongs. But don't the Canadians already have one of those? Don't the Canadians already have five of those um, who can do exactly the same thing? Um, so you know, the, the, my criticism is that the, the Canadians have they're building this house. Mark Bergevin is building this house, and they need pieces for this house. Um, and in Danielle, they bought another dishwasher when they already have four of them. And they're missing a roof and a furnace. And, and you know, there's there's no plan on the horizon. Uh, maybe the, the second-round draft choice in 2018, by, by the time that comes to the lineup, it's, what, 2022? Um, so you don't have a, um, a furnace or a roof till then. I, you know, it, it's just um, – and going and getting – Matteau as as you know you roll the dice on him as you did as you mentioned earlier with with so, Salmon with with uh, Cassian with um, he seems I I don't know I, I 
I, I guess there's there's he, he really believes he's doing something by by rearranging the deck chairs at the bottom of the lineup, but in his whole tenure he's done nothing to uh, fill those holes at the top um, that are making this team not be a, a a contender for the cup. Well, I think uh, Mark Bergevin during his stint, I think what he's been successful at has been with those third and fourth liners, like uh, like you mentioned. But I, I for the for the top six forward, which is, has been a gap for many years for the Canadians, he's tried things, but none of them worked out. Thomas Vanek, I think, was the closest, but that we everybody knew it all along that it was a, just a, a, a rental player. Like nobody was expecting him. To uh, to come back, but in terms of something a little bit more sustainable, something a little bit longer for the top six, absolutely no uh, no success. When it comes to Mike Brown, we heard at the top of the segment that Mark Bergevin said his goal is to make uh, his his job is to make the Montreal Canadiens better. Did he make the team better with uh, with Mike Brown? I don't. Think so. At one point, he was asked in an interview. I don't remember exactly if it was at uh, the press conference in San Jose or if it was one of the radio interviews that he did. He was asked, "Did he see something in terms of physical play that he didn't like, which forced him to uh, to get somebody like Mike Brown?" And his answer was, "Yes." At one point, he did see something that he didn't like. Was it a week ago or two weeks ago when we saw De La Rosa at one point getting hit and there was no reaction? And we've seen that in um, in different random games where there hasn't been that team toughness. We, we didn't see what we saw in the game against the Anaheim Ducks. And maybe that's what he uh, he went out to acquire by acquiring Mike Brown. There's, a, there's Rick. I'm not sure if you heard it. Uh, there's a conspiracy theory getting thrown out there for the pickup of uh, Mike Brown. And it was mentioned by a former NHL or former NHL agent as well, Enrico Ciccone on the 91.9 FM, the French all-sports radio station here in Montreal, where he did mention that players, when they play four, when they reach that 400-game plateau, they get a $200,000 bonus in their pension from the NHLPA. If we look at Mike Brown's career stats, including the two games that he's played with the Montreal Canadiens so far, he's up to 395 games. So he was going out there. Is this uh, a favor, which would be another one if that is the case, that Bergevin did to that job manager to head, to let him reach that 400-game plateau to reach this, that bonus, his $200,000 bonus? Isn't that interesting? Well, I, I I don't even know what to say to that. If if all of these favors that that Bergevin is doing for other people, when he cashes in, man, this team is going to be good, aren't they? Um, <laughs> Number twenty-five oh, will be waiting. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I guess with respect to Mike Brown, the thing that bothered me most was that um and and whether he helps or he doesn't i you know or um i i i i really don't know but he he was asked well um if if you if 
toughness is what the Canadians are missing, and you went out and got Mike Brown, um, why didn't you just call up John Scott? And his answer was, well, John Scott can't skate at the NHL level, which, and, and he was like, that was a brilliant answer. And I was, it just made me angry all over again. Well, then why in the world did you trade for John Scott in the first place? Um, you know, it's, it's that, that is, is becoming um, one of the worst trades in, in Canadians history. Um, John Scott had his second fight last night and, um, and it was great to see him because that was after five, uh, there was five other, no, four other um, ice caps fights ahead of him. And he finally decided to, you know, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll fight. And, and he absolutely, he, he demolished the guy and that's what's being played on RDS all morning and everybody's yay, John Scott. Um, that was this, a ridiculous trade. Um, no, he shouldn't be called up. No, he can't play at the NHL level. And no, the trade never should have been made in the first place. Um, so, uh, you know, all these these conspiracy theories, that I don't know what to say, but when you're having to go there to justify um, that this is a, a correct move for uh, Mark Bergevin, that seems a bit of a reach in my mind. So a hat three sixty is not a um, we we don't rehearse the show because this is a great segue to the a tweet a question that we received from Mo Bouchard who asked how about Scott gets one game call up to add to the movie script why not <laughs> so I guess you answered that question Rick uh, yeah. if we go now to our uh, Twitter poll question of the week which of the following young players currently with the Montreal Canadiens, have impressed you the most? Well, at first place, and he is leading, is Michael McCarron with the 54% of the, the votes right now. Then at 37% is Sven Andrugero. And then Philippe Danoza with 7%. And then Mato is there with uh, 2%. So I'm, I'm surprised 2% of the people have actually been impressed by Mato. We've only seen him play one, uh, one game. Uh, David Marshall from Connecticut writes, you can't believe that McCarron is leading the poll. Why? Because of fights. A first-round goon. Great. So thank you for <laughs> the, the tweet, David. And as I mentioned before the break, Rick, it looks like Alex Galchenyuk will get his opportunity tonight to play as a first-line center with uh, Max Pacioretty on the left side and Brendan Gallagher on uh, the right side. And it was some stats that were tweeted out, I would say, earlier this afternoon by uh, CTV Montreal's Brian Wild when these three played together uh, last season. They played a combined 12 games together. And during that time stretch, Pacioretty got 13 points, Galchenia got 9, and Brendan Gallagher got 7. And they were the Habs top scoring forwards in uh, that 12-game stretch. So last year they did have some success. This year they played two games, and well, they they were separated following that from um, from uh, from the coach. So Rick, do you think this line will succeed? I mean, it certainly has um, 
you know, every chance to succeed. Uh, I, we saw uh, last game, we saw the egg line um, uh, make an appearance for the uh, third period, um, and they've had success before. Um, and there's obvious chemistry. There's, there's um, whenever um, Galchenyuk and Eller have played together, um, no matter who the, the winger is, um, there's chemistry. There's obvious chemistry on and off the ice between Gallagher and, and Galchenyuk. Um, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really, it, it doesn't really matter to me um, where Galchenyuk plays on which, which line, but, but just, just leave him there for a while. Just leave the line together for a while. Put, if, if you want to put Galchenyuk at center, fine. I think he's doing been doing pretty well on the on the wing. He's kind of found his mm-hmm. um his way, the one timers. Um just just leave him be and, and rather than than every game he has to he has to answer the question, Oh, do you like center, do you like wing, are you comfortable? Just just make it a non story by leaving him somewhere for uh, a good stretch of games and, and just let him let the talent come through. Um, rather than putting all this pressure on him. I agree. I think that this Galchenyuk center wing has been a storyline for way too long. I think the Canadians need to make a decision and stick with it. At the beginning of the season, it sounded like the decision was made that he'd be a centerman, and then we all know what happened as of December. He's been uh, all over the place. Right now, Galchenyuk is playing on the wing. He's having lots of success, and he seems like he's finding his niche, which is the Mike Camilleri one-timer. But notice that's always been on the right wing. So his right wing is real position. But regardless, I think a decision should be made uh, by the Canadians. And like you mentioned, let it be consistent. Let it be. Let this storyline end once and for all. And if he's not a number one center, if that's not where they see him, well, that means the Canadians need <laughs> more um more centers and in fact Canadians right now in the roster uh, they have like about like seven players that could play down the middle and well Mark Bergman was asked how come Canadians have all these centers that's what he said it is a strength and it's always nice to have uh, extra centermen because they could always play the wing it's um, it's very difficult for a winger to say you gotta play the centerman uh, Usually, sentiment could play could play wing, so it's a strength of our organization moving forward. So there you go. So according to Benjamin, it's a strength of the organization down the middle. So it's always good to have a lot of sentiment. It's always good to have a lot of defensemen. Maybe the next step will be it'll be good to have a lot of scores on the team because well, they don't have any of those in their current roster. Uh, on social media, Tim, in regards to the line of Galchenyuk. Pacioretty and Gallagher, he writes, it looks like the coach is trying very hard now to save his job. So thank you very much for uh, the tweet, Tim. Uh, David writes, all three are top six forwards and can put up points. So thank you, uh, David. Uh, Mark Lescouter, I have trouble pronouncing his name, sorry about that, Mark. He is the uh, co-host of the Habs Banter here on allhabs.net. He writes, he's definitely excited all players complement each other well. Excited to see them shine. Next tweet comes from Baron Von Alex. He writes, if coach gives them time, his track record indicates the opposite. Should have been 
uh, one line all year. So no faith in the coach for Alex. Next week comes from uh, from Patsy, who calls himself a trophy husband. He writes he thinks the line will be successful. Flash. Flash Duke from Calgary, Alberta writes, no, I don't because I want it to happen. Watch them have a subpar night and the cocky coach can come out and say, I was right. So thank you for the tweet. Terry, even though it's a Terry free show, he still doesn't get love. Poor guy. Poor Michel Terry. So thank you very much, everybody, for your uh, tweets. Canadians, like I mentioned earlier, facing the Winnipeg Jets tonight on the road, and then the Canadians coming up on a four-game homestand against the Stars, the Sabres, the Minnesota Wild, and the uh, Florida Panthers. Rick, we still don't believe the Canadians are making the playoffs, right? Not a hope. Not a chance. Hey, there is, um, let's say, the Canadians organization, there is still a chance that the St. John's Ice Caps make the playoffs. Um, they'll have to do some catching up, but there's there's a chance there. Do we have a chance if uh, McCarron, if all these players are here with the Canadians? Um well, that's that's the tough part. They've uh, they've signed uh, a couple of players to PTOs. They've brought some people up from the Brampton BC CHL um, affiliate. Um, but it's it's a good test for them. They still have some talent down there with with uh, Bud Holloway. He's their leading scorer with uh, sniper or Charles Sudan. Um, there's and and Nikita Sherback, who is um, you know uh, trying to make a strong push. Um, to offset his uh, the injuries from the first part of the season. So, uh, and if they get to the playoffs, um, they'll have some um, extra reinforcements because the Canadians have made available to their playoff roster Mike McCarron, Jacob Delarose, uh, Ben Scrivens, and Morgan Ellis. Uh, so they'll have some uh, they'll have some help if they get to the playoffs. So we'll be keeping an eye on the ice caps as well here on the Habs 360 podcast. Rick, thank you very much. Always great. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, everybody, who sent us in their tweets. The Montreal Canadiens tonight facing the Winnipeg Jets. Canadians have a 1-10-2 road record against Western Conference teams. So they'll be looking to get a second win against the Winnipeg Jets. And, well, there's a team that's been struggling. So hopefully they'll do it. And we'll talk next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. See ya. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.